This is like Captain Crunch episode. We're crunching the praise songs. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor Fleming. And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. So, uh, if you guys put some mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep up uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. You know, when the theme music for Table Talk Radio starts, it's kind of like hoping there's going to be a snow day, and then there's not. <laughs> we have school after all. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> the, the great letdown. <laughs> That's right. You you know you get the podcast. They start, they start playing, and you know you think maybe it's going to be issues, etc. Fighting for the faith. <laughs> but here we are. PR special after all. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. do some mega crunch today. I look at the lineup, looking <laughs> pretty crunch. good. I mean, and by good, I mean pretty bad. But uh, we we'll do some do a mega crunch, mediocre and hilarious. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we are going to do it. We got an email. Let's see. I got to look at the Trello over here. We got an email going deeper with the praise song cruncher. Then request praise song for the cruncher. Then an email crunch this. And then if we get to it, attributes of the scripture. I did some work on that a couple of weeks ago, but I think I lost my notes. We'll find it by the end if we get to it. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, all right. You have a buzzword, or did you lose your notes on that too? I do. My buzzword for you is Bible. You know, we off, Bible means book. We often think in Greek, we think of the Bible as a book, and I suppose it is a book, but it's also maybe good for us to remember that it is a collection of 66 different books. It's the writings of the prophets and the apostles, which is a phrase that we used to t- talk about all the time, the writings of the prophets and apostles, and, I, and we've lost it. It'd be nice to bring it back because how do you get one of your books into this collection called the Bible? Answer is you've got to be a prophet or an apostle. And if you are, then your writing goes in there. And if you're not, doesn't. Okay. Um, pull on a, I almost pulled a, a theological buzzword for you from vision.org, but I didn't like it. So um, I can't believe that you didn't like something on vision.org. Is that a Christian website, vision.org? Uh, well, depends how generous you want to be with the word. I mean... <laughs> Is does it, is that a website that claims to be Christian? Yes, I think so. How did how uh, it's so crazy? How how did we miss the part of the Bible that <laughs> says the false prophets have a vision of their own heart, and we're like, oh yeah, you're a pastor. Well, what's your vision? What's the vision of your heart? It's like what? it's like the definition of a false prophet. We just anyway. I sorry. got a fantastic buzzword for you. Oh yeah, do you? It is the word sacrifice. And get get a load of this definition, and I'll let you critique it, whether good or bad. It says, uh, uh, sacrifice, 
God appointed sacrifices as a means whereby the guilt could be uh, could offer acceptable worship. The idea of sacrifice pervades the whole Bible. And then it says Old Testament sacrifices were of two kinds. Number one, unbloody, such as first fruits and tithes, meat and drink offerings and incense. And number two, bloody, such as burnt offerings, peace offerings, and sin and trespass offerings. And it says, we learn from Hebrews that sacrifices had no inherent value or efficacy. They were the shadow of good things to come and pointed to Jesus' death on the cross. Wow, what do you think of that? I might quibble. Uh, I might quibble a little bit, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's true. There's two types of sacrifices: blood and unblood. And but but we have to wrestle with this in the Bible first. In the Old Testament, it talks about how the blood forgives sins, and then in the New Testament, it says the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sins. So how, so the the Bible is giving us something to consider here, and the way that they tried to get to to put those two together was. Clo- was really close. It is that the sac- the blood of the bulls and the goats and the lambs and the birds and everything else uh, shed on the Jewish altars uh, was pointing towards the sacrifice of the blood of God. I mean, after all, it's, the, you know, the sacrifice of a lesser can't take away the s- sin of the greater. It's not like the, the, a human sin can be atoned for by animal blood. It doesn't, it's not a correspondence, but it is a preaching of the blood of God that would be shed that can take away sins once for all. And because of the death of Jesus, we know then that the blood of the bulls and goats did deliver the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of Jesus was brought to the people through the animals that were shed there. And especially, you know, um, Hebrews will make this point. It, it is an atoning for the sins committed against the covenant. So the Lord had a number of requirements that were bound to the covenant. And it seems like especially that the sacrifices that the people offered who were in the covenant were dealing with those sins of the covenant. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. do you want to offer a guess um, who who puts forward this definition? Uh, Google. <laughs> oh no, this is from uh, issues etc. Archive dot org. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. See, I told you it's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Didn't so I say it was pretty good? Let's I said it. only a slight quibble. Yeah. You can slightly quibble with the with the guys over there at Issues. Yeah, slight quibble. All right. Uh, let's take a look at our inbox. You can send an email to questions at tabletalkradio.org, and there will be about a 5% likelihood we'll read it on the air. So, um, Pastor Wolfmiller, what's on the docket for today? Did you actually calculate that, or are you just making it up? I just pulled a number out of the air. I'm interested in the facts. <laughs> well, T well, well, from I South Dakota. See, wait a minute. What wait, makes wait, it wait. difficult to calculate that is, you, of course, you would take the number of emails we get uh, and put it under the number of uh, emails we respond to. But there's yeah. so many emails that are on the inbox list that could potentially be addressed at some future date in the next 10 years that it's, it makes it very hard to calculate the precise number that is you're right there's variables that are hard to account for mm-hmm. so if you could just clarify your statement that it's approximately five percent okay. i'd just be more comfortable with that all right <laughs> timothy writes from t south dakota i didn't know there was a place called t it's kind of cool I wonder if you go and visit T, South Dakota, and you say, 
you go and you order coffee if they're all offended. I, I did just look it up, and there are no Australians in T, South Dakota. So we know that <laughs> I, for sure. I have so many questions <laughs> about your help. accuracy, <laughs> the accuracy of your bold statements today. Yeah, I, Pastors Wolfmuller and Gagline. I started listening to Table Talk Radio about a year ago after hearing it mentioned every time Pastor Wolfmuller's on issues, etc. What's the, what's this issues, etc.? I've never been on that show. Shh, don't tell Evan. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what? You, you've been going on another show? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, let's see. What does it say here? Uh, I've gone through all of the regular episodes of Table Talk at least once, and I have a dozen or so table scraps I haven't listened to yet. My question is regarding the praise song Cruncher. For background, my parents grew up in the AFLC. You want to know what that is? Uh, American Free Football Lutheran, Lutheran Church. Yep. Uh, they attended a church for a while while I was younger. When I was maybe six or seven, my parents decided to stop attending and start having church at home. So pretty much every time you have a song for the Praise Song Cruncher, PSC, I didn't know the Praise Song Cruncher had an abbreviation yet, but I guess that's what it would be. So today we're going to do some PSCing. What do you want to use as an acronym for the Praise Song Cruncher? Any ideas? Well, Everybody submit their ideas. That should at as least be acronym. on the list of choices. Is the, the PSC. It could be PSC or the PSC or TPSC or PSCER. Different options. Every time you have a praise song that you go, this is more a song for the radio. I don't know it's actually used in a praise worship song. I go, yep. My family sang that numerous times in worship on Sundays over the years. While my parents' theology is still sort of Lutheran, looking back now I can see that my theology growing up was pretty much non-denominational evangelicalism, uh, which leaned more towards Calvinism in college due to several Calvinist podcasts I started listening to Arr. on the recommendation of friends. Some Calvinist friends. podcasts, like Calvinist websites. This is the problem with Calvinists, is they're so socially inept, they are all over the internet. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not sure you should be talking about that. <laughs> well, maybe I know of what I speak. Hey, pot. But you know, Calvinists are just pretty black, like, really generally <laughs> nerdy. So they're like, hey, we should, why don't we have five, I'm not YouTube sure you should be critiquing stuff. people's nerdiness. I'm not critiquing. I'm just <laughs> stating it as a fact. <laughs> Like your facts, five percent of Calvinists are uh, comfortable in social situations. It's a fact. Okay. Anyway, I mean, it's, how do you account for the how do you account for the reality that there's five Calvinist blogs for every Calvinist? How do you? Now, I'm I'm telling you though, there is some the Cal, the Calvinists are on a roll. They are getting more and more churches and stuff like this. They, I, the Calvinist influence is being seen now, even in the praise song industry. It's a really interesting thing that we got to keep an eye on because, you know, everybody in one way or another is in a different state of pre-Lutheran, right? That's our mm -hmm. understanding of the Bible, that, every, that everybody is on their way to becoming Lutheran. <laughs> and the, the Calvinists are that's it's pretty close i mean to you remember how when you go to disneyland and you start in the line and you're like way outside like you're right next to the taco stand and then you get a little closer you're in the jungle and then you're like inside in the fake cave and you know you're getting closer that's what calvinism is for being lutheran you're in the cave you're getting close to the line you can hear the screams off in the distance <laughs> Yes, and you can hear the screams off in the distance. This is Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
it's not a radio show. It's a relationship. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. So it turns out doing church at home is a lot like listening to the Christian radio station is what I'm getting so far from Timothy in Coffee, South Dakota. Are you wondering why I'm not nervous about making fun of the Calvinists? Because they're not listening? <laughs> no, no, of course they're listening. Because remember, the Calvinists are gluttons for punishment. They actually like being made fun of. That's part of the <laughs> mental makeup of a Calvinist. And also this, you never have to worry about being beat up by a, by a Calvinist because they not, none of them made the football team. That's why they know how to make so many blogs. <laughs> have you ever seen an intimidating Calvinist? You know? It's like yes. He's got three sweater vests on to make his chest look bigger. When I was, I'm, I'm just saying. When I was in the, uh, <laughs> when I was in the great uh, city of Medford, Oregon, I met a Calvinist who I would be intimidated by, but he, um, he pulled down his shirt a little bit to show me that he had a, a tattoo of Luther's rose on his chest. <laughs> he was a former Lutheran. <laughs> Former Lutheran become Calvinist? Yeah, how do you explain that in your little matrix of the Disney Lion Lion? That's like the, getting the, off the ride, I guess. I don't know. That's that's right. It's like you get up there and you see the roller coaster and you're afraid. So then you wait for your friends on the other side. <laughs> yeah. guess it could I'll also be the tattoo off. ink makes you go nuts. <laughs> I don't know. That's the other option. It's 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 becoming now. This is a thing that we got to have to wrestle with. It's it's cool to be a Calvinist, like. Like it's cool to have a Macintosh, apparently, or what we call apples. It used to be for the nerds. Now that's for the cool kids. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, you could trace this on a graph. I think the coolness of Apple computers and the coolness of Calvinism. I bet it's a, it's just a lag graph of about fifteen <laughs> years. Some Calvinist right now is calculating it with their computer. Anyway, <laughs> this email continues. You're ridiculous. You have, you have entered the realm of ridiculousness. I, I just my profound. I just my profound understanding of the Calvinists. It's a, it's an important skill to have. It's like a survival skill nowadays the, to understand the Calvinists because they are they are showing up all over the place. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Um, on on with the say. I've lost email. my place in this email. Uh, Calvinist podcast. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, I came across issues, etc. What's that? When looking for a comparison of Reformed and Lutheran theology, and I was moving out of my on my own after graduating college, and God has since used issues, etc., and then Table Talk Radio and other confessional Lutheran podcasts did bring me to the solid scriptural theology found in confessional Lutheranism. Since I've joined an LCMS church uh, and uh, and while I have issues with the contemporary music that's used in the later services, I get solid law and gospel preaching, and the early service uses a liturgical format with traditional hymnody. Okay. Wait, I just wanna, As I grow older, wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. One quick yes? point. I think it's sad that... Um, and we get these letters a lot, and thanks be to God that this person has found an LCMS church where law and gospel are preached. But we get emails, a lot of people, you know, that this email exactly so far... But instead of saying, well, I found a church that eh, has a contemporary worship, but at least I get law gospel out of it, usually it ends with, and I went to my local LCMS church, and they're doing all the things that I left. <laughs> I mean, it's look, look, people are coming into 
uh, churches, not because of the music. We need to get that through our head. People are coming to churches because of the doctrine that is preached there and the and the the teaching that is found there. That's what people are drawn to churches for today. And um, if we can't uh, understand that that uh, uh, destroying biblical worship for this, um, well, we'll we'll do the praise song cruncher later in the program. But for this kind of mystic, experience-driven, create a emotion inside of you type of a worship, uh, then we're going to be um, people are going to be missing the teaching that we've been given to give. So anyway, that was my little hurry. No, that's right. I said earlier that the that everyone is who's not Lutheran is at one stage or another pre-Lutheran, and that that's biblical. That this is it is what we confess. I mean, we say the Holy. I, I cannot believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or come to Him, but the Holy Spirit is calling, has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, and has uh, kept me in the true church. Now, if we truly believe that this is what the Holy Spirit is doing, is calling people in the gospel, through the gospel, and to the gospel, then. The, the work of being an evangelical church, understood in the best sense, in other words, of being a church uh, to which we want people to come, is to be a church of the gospel. Because if you are not a church that preaches law and gospel, then the Holy Spirit is working against you. Because the Holy Spirit is not bringing people to churches to, that don't have the true doctrine. So it might be that the Holy Spirit is pleased to use the church that's here or there to do his work, but in the mean, all along, it's only a temporary sort of thing, and he's dragging you through that, and the, and the end goal of the work of the Holy Spirit is that you would be in a church where you would hear the catechism, that, where your kids would be baptized, and where you'd have the Lord's body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So that if we want to partner with the Holy Spirit, that's a horrible way to talk, but but let's go with it for a little bit. If we want to get on board with what the Holy Spirit is doing, then we ought to put our flag down on the gospel and know that the, that makes our congregations the place that the Holy Spirit is bringing people. And instead, we look at those churches where have, that have all the people there and everything that they're doing, and we say, ah, that must be where the Holy Spirit is working, so we're going to go and act like them. And it's like we're moving the finish line. It's it's horrible. Hey, Holy Spirit, want to be my partner? I just told you it's bad language. <laughs> uh, let's see. What does this say? As I grew older, I started to become uncomfortable with most modern praise and worship contemporary Christian music, but couldn't fully understand why. The PSC has helped me to understand the reason why those songs bothered me and helped me to become more discerning when listening to, quote, Christian music. Do you have any recommendations on books on which to delve deeper into the issues with the contemporary music and the mysticism and lack of truth and theology involved? I've been discussing this with my parents and younger siblings. I want to be able to adequately and correctly respond when they come back against my criticisms with questions like, well, if someone says that the music brings them closer to Christ because it brings them all to an emotional high, how can you say it's wrong? And, quote, well, Martin Luther said everything a Christian does is sacred, so why not use these songs? End quote. I have a basic grasp of the concepts from listening to you guys, issues, et cetera, and others, but I'm not good at articulating since it's good to refresh on something or retrieve a point that was made by someone. I'll have to try to find it in a podcast that was mentioned and compared to having a book I could look it up to uh, to refresh on. If there are any really good books out there on the subject, then maybe Pastor Wolfmiller could write one. Thanks for all you do. God bless. Tim. Ah, okay. very good. You, you know, I. Two. this is interesting because... Um, praise. Are you making a note so, to write a write a book on that? I'm going to start the table of contents 
during the show. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, but, I, you know, th- this is something that we get a lot also, that there are a lot of people who um, argue for uh, a liturgical form of worship over and against a contemporary worship. And also, I mean, even in a um, polemic way, but without the really tools to really understand you know what am i polemic about <laughs> you know and, and and i think that that's something and you can speak to this better than i can patch wolf there but that's something that when you came out the praise song cruncher not only for the radio but you've given presentations on this talked to pastors conferences on this um that it's given some handles for people to grasp of what's going on in the praise song because a lot of people have, have identified there's something wrong <laughs> with the praise song with with the contemporary worship setting but what is it um, and you know, I remember that too. When I was in college, um, I was you know making arguments with people why you know liturgical worship over contemporary worship. I didn't really have any good critiques that were really substantive um, against contemporary worship, other than kind of you know it's emotionally driven. But but what's you know what's really wrong with that? Um, and so uh, you know, I, I think resources would be good. Now you have a book about. I think the title is something like "What's Wrong with American Christianity." Would that be a resource for someone like Tim? <laughs> yeah, it does come up in there. We talk about praise songs and mysticism, uh, and try to articulate some of the problems with it uh, all the way through that thing. So that would be a good resource. And um, Jonathan Fisk's book, "Broken," I've been told by people who've read it, also tries to do the same thing. <laughs> Didn't you endorse that book? Yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> What is that? A, There's no requirement to read the book he, that you endorse, he, is there? He, he also he also endorsed my book because uh, his wife Meredith read it for him and said, uh, and Meredith said, well, it's just like your book, but it's not as weird. <laughs> no, no, his, his book talks about that, too, um, uh, about mysticism. And more and more books are talking about the dangers of mysticism, although we've got to be a little bit careful because as we've noticed the last few times we've done the crunching, we've, we've done the PSC, uh, uh, it is shifting again. It's changing. We gotta we gotta keep our ears open for these changes because the praise song. Remember the one of the marks of contemporary is that it ebbs and flows. You know things are always they, they never stay static. It's one of the troubles. And so for contemporary music, we expect that in fact to be the same to be the true that it doesn't also stay static and it's going to be changing. So I I think probably the critique that we've been leveling the past few years is going to be different than the critique that we're going to bring uh, in years to come. Mm. Just a guess. Hmm. Interesting. So instead of writing a, a book, it'd probably be more like a magazine, and you just you know it has to change every year. I like that. You should um, you should create this like journal or something that would come out on a regular basis to critique this. Yeah, the Journal of Praise Song Critique, <laughs> Volume One. Sounds exciting. It does sound exciting, actually. <laughs> I'm gonna work on it right now. All right. Well, when we get back from this break, we'll get the table of contents from Pastor Wolfman's new book. We'll get a sample of the, the contemporary worship journal critique. And we'll also be doing some praise song crunching. So you want to be sure to stay tuned through the break. You can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. Stay tuned. 
Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Oh, come on. You prefer that to my instrumental rendition of Real Religious Man? I'm not sure that it's what I prefer, but what the listener prefers. <laughs> I'm offended. Well, the uh, the listener has offended you then. <clears throat> I mean, I, <laughs> listener, I, I personally... I can't believe that... Personally, I love it when you bump in with your rendition of music songs with your mouth, but... Um, Okay. You know, it's, it's okay. The well, here, let's just start. Let's just pretend like we're starting the segment now. Ready? I am, I am. I am, I am. I am, I am. Watch it fade. I am, I am. I am, I am. All right. That's what I spared you all from, but he's going to do it anyway. All right. So, Pastor Wilson, could you give us a quick rundown? <laughs> Don't you think the, the fade was the best part, I thought? Uh, the best part I thought was when it faded so much you couldn't hear it anymore. <laughs> that was my best part. Uh, give us a rundown of the praise song cruncher, what it's all about. Yeah, we got the five questions to get our heads around the praise song and its mystical content. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes or no? Is it mystical in form? It means does it go on and on? Does it use sentence fragments? Is it mystical in content? Does it talk about how you're a drop in the ocean of God's love or whatever? Is it all relationally? And the fourth question is, is there some law and gospel in there, rightly divided? And the fifth question is, any other false doctrine? That's the catch-all. Uh, and we asked those five questions to, 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 to try to make an objective judgment regarding the praise song, which presents itself to the Christian as something worthy of being in our lips and offered to God. So, just like the priests of the Old Testament were to check to make sure the sacrifices were holy and fit for sacrifice in the temple, so Evan and I <laughs> inspect the praise songs for their worthiness. Indeed we do. How about and that as a picture? If you want to check out the praise song cruncher, you can do so by heading on over to our website, tabletalkradio.org, and click on Articles. And then the third or fourth one down is Praise Song Cruncher 2.5. I'll be using that throughout today's show. All right, let's. What what are we crunching here today? Remember Stephen Furtick? Remember that guy who we don't know if he's ortho, if he's either heterodox or heretic. We're not sure what category he falls into, but we've we know that we've heard uh, Chris Rosebrah getting after him. Anyway, he wrote some of these lyrics here, so. Elevation Church, come to the altar is the name of the uh, correction of it's, the hymn. It's Oh, come to the altar. Sorry, what did I say it was? You said come to the altar like a noob. It's Oh, come to the altar. <laughs> I thought that was like the just the number zero, like as the <laughs> first of a list. It's the, the prequel to the, to the rest of the album. <laughs> no, you know, there's a difference between O, like O with just the O and the O H. Do you mm -hmm, know that? Mm -hmm. What is the difference? I don't know what it is. One is vocative and the other is exclamatory. Oh, that'd be O-H. <laughs> yeah, that's exclamatory. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as opposed to like hail, that would be like, uh, oh, Christ, rend the heavens. That would be just O. Now this, so this O come to the altar should actually be O-H. They've missed, the, they've, they've, declined wrongly the o what if they're what if they're hailing the altar 
Or the hearers. Oh, come. Oh, come. Yeah. It could be. Hmm. It could work. It could be. I don't know. All right. Dig into the grammar here, but I'm sure that's not going to be the best thing or worst about this <laughs> song. We shall Let's find see. out when we listen to Elevation's worship of O Come to the Altar. Are you hurting broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Now let's try. Let's let's do that much for that. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. And then, come to the altar, etc. Come to the altar, etc. Oh, what a savior! Sing Alleluia. I bet this. I bet this. At the end of this thing, it just goes on for a while. Can you? Is it like an eight-minute song? How? Uh, five, six. I yeah. bet you the last two minutes is Alleluia's. Here, I'll just. You want to go? I'll go to zip. go to like three minutes and fifty seconds and see if they're into the Alleluia's already. Well, it's six minutes. You want me to go a little bit later? Three fifty-three. Oh, sorry. That's I think where the Alleluia. All right. Here, here is three Got it. Do the over under on the praise songs. Is there an over under somewhere in Las Vegas? An over under on when the praise song divulges into the repeated hallelujahs? I thought you were too early. I, I thought, no, 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 it's going to be later, but you nailed it. 353. That's awesome. Man, it couldn't do that again if it tried. Oh, let's try again. You want to do a different? Guess another. <laughs> We'll do it on the next one. I suppose that's missing the okay. point of the praise song cringer. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, the praise song divulges into this sort of mystical thing where, like, the, now the heavens are opened and it's just hallelujahs. You can't manage to muster up any other words. It's just over and over. That's part of it. That 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 ranks it up there on the mystical, mystical form. Mm -hmm. So. But question one, Jesus is mentioned, and he's busy in this song calling you. This is a, like the perfect altar song. I mean, the thing was made for the altar call, right? Oh, come to the altar. So this song is bringing with it all of the bad doctrine of the altar call. But what's what's more interesting, I think, as we look at this uh, song, is to ask, how is sin and atonement defined? Because sin is there. Are you overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? And then Jesus is talked about. The forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, this is all true. Those are true statements that have been made 
by this song. Okay, so we should say that first. But let's let's ask the question, Evan. I'm interested to see what you think about this. What what is the picture of sin? What, in other words, what is the problem that is caused by my sin, uh, according to the song and the whole idea of the song? What is the benefit then of the forgiveness of sins? Uh, hurts and brokenness is the problem of sin, and so the benefit is. Uh, da, 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 um, being able to tell the world of the treasure you found. That's what it is. So the, the last two yeah. lines says, bear your cross as you wait for the crown. I guess there's a crown involved. Tell the world of the treasure you found. That's true. It's all about evangelism. But 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 even before that, like you're, I think you're exactly right. The hurt and brokenness is the picture of sin. So that sin is understood in therapeutic terms. Uh, sin is we we often say i mean with the relationship theology mm. everything is judged now with am i near or far from god and uh sin is um is that which kind of stands in the way of my full life or whatever in other words it's understood therapeutically mm-hmm. it's not understood in terms of the wrath of god it's not understood in other words or the even pro- the responsibility problem, transgression right right the problem the problem with my sin is not that it hurts my neighbor and that it offends god the problem with my sin is that it it does damage to me mm. it adds to my own brokenness you see what i mean so even in confessing so the, sin, we're being selfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all, and so and so now the blood of Jesus is understood not as that which stands between me and the wrath of God. That the blood of Jesus is not that is not the the thing that quenches the the fire of God's anger over my sin, but rather the blood of Jesus now comes to me like a healing balm to make me better. Now, it's not like we're the first people to talk about salvation in this way. I mean, this medicinal idea of salvation probably goes at least in part back to the St. Augustine. And it's a huge part of the Catholic doctrine in the Middle Ages that the Reformers were were trying to fight against. But it's back now, uh, and we see it in, in these when we deal with... Um, when we deal with the problem and the solution in, in terms of my own sort of wholeness... And we and we've talked about this too before. So, like the favorite term for sinfulness now is the, is brokenness. We're all broken, you know. And now the the gospel, the blood of Jesus, brings a wholeness. Hmm. Now that's true. I mean, it is true. Those, those are all true things. But there's it's talking about the symptoms. Mm-hmm. It's like talking about man. That person really is bald. But really, the problem is that person has cancer and they're on chemotherapy. I mean, so baldness. <laughs> Is not the essential problem. You see, you yeah. see the, you see what I'm getting at. So it, that's secondary. I mean, the, the fact that um, I'm a sinner is something that needs to be accounted for, and my sinfulness results in cases of me being broken. But that's not yet addressing the main thing. Right. All right. We need to take a quick break. More praise song cruncher right after this. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. 
Our friends over at Ad Crucem have put together a great store with discerning Christian art and designs. They've got collections, Christmas stuff, housewares. They've got a number of pieces of art. My favorite is the greeting cards that they've put together, uh, which not only combine ancient Christian art, uh, they also have great theology, rightly dividing law and gospel. And they're cards for all occasions. You've you got your Christmas cards, Easter cards, baptism and confirmation cards, which are impossible to find. And they all have comforting scriptures, so they're beautiful, and uh, and they deliver the message of Christ crucified for sinners wonderfully. So visit the folks at Ad Crucem at their website, adcrucem.com, adcrucem.com, uh, and you can find it all there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, doing a praise song crunch of Oh, Come to the Altar by Elevation Worship. And we've identified a few things going on in this song. First of all, when it, it talks about sin, it talks about our our uh, effects of sin, the, the brokenness of sin, but doesn't actually talk about um, sin as a transgression, something that is worthy of God's wrath and judgment. Is that basically what you said last segment? Yes, and I think that's a very, very important because um, it's something for us to be aware of, something for pastors to be aware of in their preaching, something for Christians to be aware of in their listening to preaching and repenting of sins, etc., to realize. Remember, David says it like this, Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord, and done what is what in your sight? What evil. Done was wrong in your sight? Done, done was evil in your sight. Now, um, and we, we hear David say that and we say, David, David, what? Uh, you sinned against Bathsheba, you mm-hmm. sinned against Uriah, you sinned against all the people. You, your sin was against more than just God. But David is able to recognize, no, 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 no. The real problem with my sin, this sin that I come to confess is, is, I mean, all those other things are true, but my real true problem with sin is with God. Mm. God is the one I got to be worried about. God is the one who I can offend with my actions. God is the one uh, who who matters in all of these things, and so it is against God that I've sinned, and that's that's the trouble. You see, and so, so um, the problem is not even really our sin; it's the it's the wrath of God because of our sin. It's the holiness of God that's on the other side of our sin, and and if if our sin. This maybe as plain as I can muster myself to say it. If our sin does not, in our own awareness, stoke the wrath of God, then we do not yet realize what our sin means. We we have not comprehended the depth of our own sinfulness. We're still playing around mm. with a with an idea of uh, with a pagan idea of God who doesn't worry that much about sin. So that um, the thing that we're after with the preaching of the law, is not simply an awareness of sin, but an awareness of the holiness of God that is offended by our sin and the wrath of God that is deserved because of our sin. So that we can say, I deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. Can you see, do, do the lyrics of this song in any way indicate to you that the person singing could say, I deserve your, your temporal and eternal punishment? See, God in the, in, the, in the song here is not angry over sin. He's He's welcoming you. He's he's the one that just feels sorry for how sick you are, and he's going to mm. welcome you now into the into his kindness and 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 make you better. Interesting. So See? so uh, that answers this thing that I've been wondering about because 
it's it's I mean, so are you hurting and broken within? And I want to say, yeah, uh, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Yeah. And then what's the answer, the solution? It says uh, Jesus is calling. I thought, huh, <laughs> so that um, am I supposed to answer? Um, is is my phone on silent? You know how you accidentally leave your phone on silent sometimes? I don't realize that he's yeah. calling, but he is. And I, I was wondering, does the Bible ever actually say that Jesus is calling? And indeed it does. Did you know this? The Bible says that Jesus is calling? No. Yeah. Uh, when Lazarus died and Mary oh. called her sister and said, the teacher is here and is calling you or calling for you. So uh, the Bible does say that Jesus is in fact calling, but I... Uh, I don't think that's what is meant in this <laughs> passage. But 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 the point is is that if um if if we're talking about everything in terms of distance so that my sin is weighing me down and and set, separating me from God and putting me far away, the fact that Jesus is calling is giving me this glimmer of hope that I can um get kind of back into right relationship with him. Right. It's, but it's, it's so the picture is like you're going you have you're just living an unhealthy life with unhealthy lifestyles you make bad choices and things are going worse for you and Jesus is over there and he's and he's looking and he's kind of shaking his head he's like look that's not good for you I, I love you I know it's best that's why I gave you my law and look you're doing these things that's just not gonna go well it's gonna end badly come over here and hang out with me I got you know like fruit smoothies and better choices for you to make and and you're like nah nah I like the I like being over here drinking the Pepsi with all the sugar in it or whatever and it's just so it's like this lifestyle choice and and mm-hmm. Jesus is calling you and his calling you is towards this you know towards the to, towards the unhurtful unharmful life mm-hmm. uh that is being a Christian it's it, um and but now you it now it's up to you see it's up to you to what to um to accept the call, to, to answer the call, to go and join Team Jesus, um, where he coaches you and you can do better things with life. I mean, that's that's the picture. And it's not the biblical picture of salvation. I mean, okay, we, and I hopefully we've conceded this enough. I mean, it's part of it. It's part of it. It's not completely, totally wrong. But it misses the main thing, which is God's holiness and his wrath over sin, which which is the basis of the atonement. I mean, when we right. see Jesus dying on the cross, it's not because we made unhealthy choices. <laughs> I mean, it's because it's the anger of God that has to be suffered for us to attain to eternal life. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that I look for is that atonement is a, a past action that is done. You see, you can't have a... Um, well... That, that the that the basis of forgiveness would be the past action of what God has done, and so the, uh, the we we have forgiveness because Jesus has died on the cross. Now, when you have the potential to forgiveness, it's because something isn't yet done; that something's left to be completed. And so, I I read this line, and I thought, oh, good. It says, "Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ," and that is a true, wonderful statement. But it's preceded by this line, Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. So that, um, I mean, if how, how do I get this forgiveness? I mean, if, the, if the forgiveness of sins was bought with the precious blood of Jesus, I want that, and how do I get it? Of course, 
the Bible and in Jesus himself makes these promises <laughs> that he who believes and is baptized will be saved. You know, uh, the, when when they ask Peter, who were struck into the heart, what are we to do? He says, repent and be baptized. Jesus says, eat and drink my body and blood given for you for the forgiveness of sin so that that the scriptures are connecting forgiveness to us in the means of grace. But what um, we have from Elevation Worship is, oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. And I think that's going to be touching on that mysticism that you like to rail against so much. That's right. That No, that's exactly right. It, it is a despising of the means of grace, and it puts in place of the means of grace the human will, the activity of the human will. That's the main danger of the altar call, which is this song is, just one long exposition of the altar call. It's up to you to come to Jesus, you to decide, you to receive, you to to, to um, surrender. Well, let's, we need to work through the praise song crunch. So let's do uh, number one, is okay. Jesus mentioned? Yes, Jesus was mentioned. Okay. He's calling, remember? Mystical form. Yeah, I think it, what, at, at three minutes and 53 seconds, it devolved into a cacophony. That equals mystical form. Otherwise, it's fairly good with sentences. It's, I mean, it's a little repetitive at the end, but at the beginning, it's actually kind of like a hymn. And so I'd say mystical form 6.2. Okay, 6.2. Uh, mystical content. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. It's not. I mean, it has the free will theology of the decision for Christ. That's, but that's not. It's sort of mysticism. But insofar as this puts the, it's is this has a therapeutic understanding of sin, the relational slash therapeutic understanding of sin rather than the understanding of a God's holiness. That is going to push it into the mystical content. Something like seven point five. Whoa, seven point five. All right. The next question is law gospel. We kind of spent most of the time talking about this. Yep, yep. So it's confused. The law is not complete in its full sternness, so the gospel is not as sweet as it uh, should be. Okay, and then lastly, any other false doctrine not previously addressed? About 45 seconds. I think it is counts as addressed. I think we've addressed it all. All right, so how does this song fare, O Come to the Altar by Elevation Worship? Crunched. crunched. This is crunched. It is ironic that the, the churches that uh, talk about having an altar call actually don't have the true purpose of the altar, which is for Jesus to feed us his body and blood. That's what the sacrament of the altar is for. But if you don't have the sacrament of the altar, then you have the call of the altar. If you don't have the gifts of the altar, then you have the demands of the altar. Hmm. And then if you don't have the atoning work of Christ being distributed, then you have this kind of therapeutic pseudo-gospel coming in to replace it, and that is what's going on here. All right, that's all the time that we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where we talk about the Bible. Oh, wait a minute. That was my buzzword. <laughs> oh, I forgot what buzzword was. How many times did I use the word sacrifice? Was that my buzzword? Probably I like a remember thousand. what my buzzword was. Thanks for listening to this sacrifice. edition of Table Talk I, I Radio. Have like Table Talk Radio points. is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Your points are like Side all the atonement theology and Hillsong songs. Wait, elevation. 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 Hallucinations, aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.